Greetings, curious searcher. Welcome to a very special Defog Tales from the Generator. Can you hear that? Was, was that behind you, or maybe that was behind me? Perhaps just the sound of a skeletal leaf skirting across a tombstone surface, blown by a sinister wind. Let us hope. The Dark Ones have a gift for you, listener. An ancient journal was found washed up on the banks of a blackened, mist-covered lake. The following story was printed within, written by Mousebone dipped in a still-living squid's ink sack. I warn you though, upon listening to this tale, you may insert knitting needles into your ears. A folk tale from a place so deep, not even the light of the generator can be seen. Deep Folk at Studio Tour 2 presents Alan Rorty's Burden, written and read by Simon Cotty. One last thing, are you alone? Is the door locked? Can you hear that? You are Alan Rorty, a neo-New York celebrity bird caller. You are famous for your ability to perfectly mimic any bird. You host your own morning radio show called Rorty's Burden, which has a small but passionate fanbase. A few days ago you received an invitation to the sleepy town of Northumbria to attend their harvest festival and to be the guest judge at this year's biggest pumpkin competition. Let us begin. You are driving north out of Neo New York, into the vibrant orange and red birch forests where the northern fluffy gobblers sing. You drive through the orange and red trees. You see a sign up ahead on the right. The sign is a wooden board nailed to a post. It's hand painted in green paint and written in cursive writing. It reads, Welcome home to Northumbria. The sign has been signed by hand, the Northumbrian Council. By early afternoon, you arrive in the town of Northumbria. The town is a strange mix of old and new architecture, small and quaint. Its main street is decorated with autumn imagery, and people walk the sidewalks, going in and out of the local shops. You read your letter of invitation. Dear Alan Rorty, we are pleased to invite you to the sleepy town of Northumbria for our annual harvest festival. We would like you to be a guest judge at this year's biggest pumpkin competition. You will be staying at our local Sleepy Cat Inn. Please come soon. You pull up outside the Sleepy Cat Inn. A cat is lying in a waning patch of sun just in front. That checks out, you say to yourself as you go inside. A small pale woman sits behind the reception desk, writing in a large book. Ah, uh, hello, my name is Alan Rorty. I have a reservation here. The woman looks up from her writing. You glance down at the book. The book is a large, heavy volume with a dark red cover. It is titled, The Compendium of Tragedies. The woman smiles. Ah, yes, Mr. Rorty. You have checked in. I'm, I'm sorry. I've already checked in. The woman turns the book around so you can see. The book says, Alan Rorty, arrival date, 23rd of October, 2088. Written in a beautiful flowing script. You're in room 3C, she says, sliding a golden key to you. Oh, oh yes, thank you. You walk up the stairs to room 3C. You put the key in the door and open it. You see a double bed and a chest of drawers in a window. You put your bag on the floor and sit on the bed. It's comfortable. You unpack your overnight bag and put your clothes in the chest of drawers. It's evening now. You sit on the bed for another 20 minutes or so, catching your breath. 
Lately, you've been forgetting to breathe. Stepping out of your comfort zone can often make you feel vulnerable and anxious. Just a short moment and you'll feel better. Just a few more minutes. Travel can take its toll. You press the soft skin of your palms hard. Just breathe. You think of a red cardinal perched on a snowy white branch. Tranquility. You are okay. You decide to go for a walk around town. You walk through the streets of Northumbria. You are instantly charmed by the town. You find a bench and have a sit down. You hear the soft song of a robin bird from a nearby tree. You smile. Ah, hello old friend. The sun is setting. You call back to the bird. You perfectly mimic the sound of a robin welcoming the setting sun. The robin hears you and is delighted that you've responded. It calls back to you. You both sing back and forth, back and forth, until it's too dark to see one another. You walk along the quiet streets of Northumbria and find a cute diner named Ophelia's Cafe and Bookstore. You walk inside and are greeted by the owner. Hello, what can I get you? Hello there, what's tonight's special, madame? It's steak and kidney pie. I'll have one of them then, thanks. Perfect, I'll bring it out when it's done. You pick up the local paper and take a seat and scan its pages. You find an interesting article about the history of Northumbria. The article reads, Northumbria is a town in the north of near New York. It's a quiet town, but has a loud history. The town was originally founded in 1564 by Jonah Shakespeare. It was originally called Shakespeare Town. It was renamed Northumbria in 1623 when the land was annexed. The town has changed hands many times throughout its history. It was originally a British colony, and then became a French colony in 1763, after the British loss at the Battle of Fort Reason, and then became a Spanish colony in 1800, after the French loss at the Siege of Fort Defiance. It finally became an American colony in 1815, after the Spanish loss at the Siege of Fort Resolution. The waitress arrives with your dinner. A steak and kidney pie for you, sir. Why, thank you. You tuck in and enjoy your dinner. You pay your bill and leave the restaurant. You walk out into the streets. There are a few people around and they're all walking quickly and with a purpose. You wonder where everyone's going. It's Saturday night and they all have somewhere to be. Well, everyone except you. You head back to your hotel and sleep a deep sleep. You awake early and prepare to leave. You walk downstairs. The hotel owner is there. Oh, hello, Alan. Hello, madame, you reply. You check the clock. It's 7 a.m. Ah, yes, the hour of the Baltimore Oriole. You make the perfect sound of a Baltimore Oriole, welcoming a morning full of promise. The owner smiles. Beautiful. You smile and nod and leave the hotel. You walk down the road and decide to head back to Ophelia's Cafe and Bookstore for breakfast. You don't know of anywhere else. You walk in and are again greeted by the owner. Ah, Alan Rorty. I thought that was you last night. Ah, hello. You know who I am? Of course I do. Everyone knows the famous Alan Rorty. You smile and enjoy the compliment. So what can I do for you, Alan? I'd love a full breakfast, thanks. Ophelia? You say? Yes, that's me. Of course. She smiles and calls into the back room. Two full breakfasts, Rita! As you look around the cafe, you notice a glass case filled with delicious cakes and pastries. 
You also see a series of bookshelves that are packed with books. You walk over to the bookcase and look at the books. You see a series of encyclopedias. You pick one up and read a bit. You look for the section for bird in the encyclopedia. The bird has a hooked bill, a stout body and a long tail. It lives along the shorelines and feeds on fish, crustaceans, worms and similar fare. It makes an unusual sound. The bird is protected in the state of Neo-New York. You nod and you sit down and eat your two full breakfast. As you eat your eggies, a short fat man walks into the diner. He looks around before spotting you and removes his hat and waddles over. You take a sip of your coffee as he approaches. Hello, you say. Hello, are you Alan Rorty? I am Alan Rorty, the man smiles. I'm Carl Northcutt. I'm a representative of the Northumbrian Council. I'd like to welcome you to Northumbria. Ah, of course, my pleasure, you say and shake his hand. So, uh, seen any cool birds in Northumbria? He asked. I must say I had a very engaging engagement with the Turtus Migratorius on the prior eve. Ah, yes, the North Robin, a beautiful bird. It most certainly was, you reply. I must say I'm a big fan of your program, Rorty's Burden. Say, could you, uh, perhaps? You smile and oblige. You make a perfect call of a robin as it sings for the falling leaves of autumn. Carl smiles and nods. Oh yes, that is a robin. You smile and nod too. Yes, singing for the falling leaves of autumn. Wow, gee whiz. I understand that tonight I am to judge the biggest pumpkin competition. That is correct, Mr. Rorty. The contestants have been growing them for months and are very excited to show them off for you. I cannot wait to see the big pumpkins, you say smiling. The conversation is abruptly broken by a large dog bark heard from outside. A waitress drops a plate and Carl clutches his hat tightly. Is that your dog? You ask. Carl looks at you nervously and shakes his head. Oh, I must be getting home. My wife will worry. Carl scampers out of the diner. You approach the waitress Ophelia as she picks up the broken pieces. You bend down to help her. She seems to be saying something under her breath. It was awful, I know, I still think about it. And this spring, all the mother birds pushed their babies out of the nest. You had to step carefully because of all the little hairless bodies. She says quietly to herself. Oh, oh I'm, I'm sorry, what did you say? Oh, 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 nothing. She replies as she walks off as if in a daze. You take a deep breath. You leave your money on the counter and walk outside. Oh, oh my heavens! A group of men are holding a large angry dog on a leash. They stare at you. Who are you? Asks one of them holding the dog at bay. You take a step back. Hi, hi I'm Alan Rorty. Ah oh, yes, the Birdman of Brand. We have been expecting you, the man with the dog says. Yeah, it's my pleasure to be here in your beautiful town, you say nervously. We have a very exciting day planned for you, Mr. Rorty. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Uh, oh, yes, uh, are you with the Northumbrian Council? No, I, I'm just a townie who enjoys a good festival and a really big pumpkin, he says, smiling. Okay, well, uh, cheerio then. You say as you walk past them. All right, Rorty. Cheerio.
you walk away out of sight and lean for a while against the bench. You wait for your color to return. Red Cardinal in the white of snow. I'm okay. You make your way to the festival grounds. It's a few blocks to the edge of town, and you can already hear the commotion of a large crowd. A sign there reads, Park Reason. You breathe in the crisp autumn air. You look up at the trees that surround the large field. Do I have any friends here? You say to yourself as you look for any birds in the branches. You spot a large owl perched in one of the high branches. It softly hoots. What are you doing here? It seems to say. Why, I could ask you the same question, you reply. It hoots as if to say, I came here to hunt. The dumber creatures are out in force today. It should be easy pickings. You're in a large clearing in the woods. It's likely used for this very festival. Green grass lines the areas between the trees and paths that have been trampled through. People are finishing setting up the various stands and stalls. They give you little looks and smile. The dog from earlier is tied to a bench. It seems more interested in the food smells than in you. It's twirling around on its leash. The owl is still watching you. You spot a short fat man. He's wearing a nice grey suit. You walk up to him and tap him on the shoulder, and you recognize him as the man from the diner. Ah, hello, Mr. Northcutt. Preparations for the festival are going well, yes? You say. The man turns and looks at you directly in the eyes. What are you doing here? He says in a low voice. I'm here for the festival. The, the biggest pumpkin competition. No, I mean here. Here in Northumbria. Oh, philosophically speaking then, you say. With those words, the man grabs your shoulders and stares deep into your eyes. The intensity of his gaze is almost unbearable. He seems to be staring straight through you, into your very soul. You laugh nervously. <laughs> well, uh, I'd like to speak to the Northumbrian Council regarding my judging duties. The man, Northcutt, releases his grip on your shoulders. Yes, of course, you may. You follow Northcutt to a large ornate purple tent. He leads you inside. It's elegantly decorated with carpets and golden silk hangings from the ceiling, dividing areas within the tent. Marvellous, you say, admiring the silks and tapestries. Indeed, he replies. He leads you to a table at the end of the tent. At the table are seated four older people, three men and a woman. Behind them hangs a large tapestry. It depicts an owl, with its wings spread flying across a great moonlit sky. Ah, a marvellous Strixvaria, you say, pointing at the owl. You wouldn't believe it, but I saw an owl just outside in the birches, though I believe that was an Azeotus, you say, smiling at the seated four. You see the four consortium members share a brief look. The woman at the table smiles and addresses you. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't think we've been formally introduced. Hello, I'm Alan Rorty, you say as you give a small bow. Oh, Alan, hello, I'm Lisa Alphastotter. It's very nice to meet you, she says. You have a very beautiful town. Why, thank you, says Alphastotter. Is Rorty your real name? Asks one of the older men. Oh yes, why? Oh, a purple name. A bird historian. Likes pumpkins. 
he shrugs. Just curious. I must say up front, I'm by no means a pumpkin expert. Neither is anyone else here, he chuckles. Lisa stands up and claps her hands together. If you'll follow me, Mr. Rorty, I'll show you to the pumpkin contest grounds. You follow Lisa out of the tent and towards a large wooden castle in the distance. That's Fort Defiance. That's where we're going to hold the festival. Oh my, you say, admiring the wooden fort. I read this is the place where the French lost Northumbria to the Spanish, yes? Oh yes, that's right. Well, a bit more complicated than that, but yes. It was a strategic loss for the French. These old log walls have stood strong for 200 years. You gaze at the fort as you approach. Dark rain clouds are overhead. The walls are sharpened log palisades. Lisa is leading you there. Your heart quickens and you feel yourself go pale. Your palms sweat and you can't stop yawning. You wheeze as you feel chest pain. You grip your chest and bend over double, exhaling heavily. You think you might vomit. The pain runs through your whole body and it feels like your organs have turned to lead. You collapse onto your back. Lisa crouches beside you and calls for help. Help us! Alan's taken a fall! There are several people walking nearby, but they don't seem to notice you. Everything feels hazy. Nausea. Is anyone here? Can somebody help Alan? He's taken a tumble. It's okay. Oh, I'm okay. You wheeze. It's just an episode. A little episode. I just need to breathe. Lisa looks worried and calls for help louder. Help us, Alan's got- Alan's in trouble, I think. But you reassure her that everything's fine. <sighs> After a few minutes, the pain subsides and your heart slows. Oh, I'm good. Oh, I'm good. It's past. It's past. You lay on your back looking up. You feel a drop of water land on your cheek. It's not unpleasant. A black crow flies overhead. It caws once at you and flaps away. You try to call back, but you find it impossible. You take a few more deep breaths and stand up. You give a weak smile and a thumbs up to the people around. Not to worry, uh, apologies for being a burden, you say as you begin to stand. Lisa holds your arm and helps you to the great fort doors. You enter the fort and see a huge round table in the center of the inner grounds. There are many oil lamps lining the walls. The five members of the Northumbrian Council each light a lamp silently. Lisa takes your hand and leads you towards the large inner doors. The feeling of holding somebody's hand feels alien to you. Memories of childhood. Lisa's hand is cool and leathery. You pass through the huge doors. The interior is dark and the walls of the great keep are lined with small cots and braziers burn in the corners of the feast hall. There are a few large tables being set with a harvest bounty of food. Another large tapestry hangs at the end of the room. It depicts a large tree with a brilliant golden bird sitting in its branches. You examine the bird. The firelight dances over it, revealing the shine of the golden thread. The bird is bright and golden yellow with long tail feathers 
curving out behind it, and little wings ending in small points. This is a fantasy, a mythical bird, you say, admiring it. Lisa looks at you. Why is this fantasy depicted in a historical tapestry, you ask? This is not just a historical tapestry. This is the story told without words, Lisa replies. Lisa leads you to the center seat, behind a large central raised table. You sit down and a small plate of fresh baked bread, cheese and cured meats is brought before you. You can hear the rain start to pick up outside and the wind starts to whistle through the fort. The storm is picking up, you say to Lisa. Lisa grabs your hand tight. Do not be afraid, she says. Your heart rate quickens. There's movement around you as men begin to snuff out the candles and the lamps. The braziers hiss as they go out. You are sitting in darkness, and all is quiet. Oh, uh, I'm afraid, Lisa. I am afraid. You say, still holding her hand. The large wooden doors of the hall are closed, and you hear them barred from the outside. The whole room is dark, silent. Just hold my hand, and I promise you will be safe, Lisa whispers. You can feel her small, leathery, cold hand in yours, and you can hear your own heartbeat. That's when you notice something. Far away in the corner, a small orange glow appears. It seems to move and dance towards you. You hold your breath. As it approaches, you see that the, the light is a face, two red-orange eyes and a large open mouth. Its expression is that of a scream, but no sound can be heard. It moves closer to you. It's before you. Lisa's hand slips from yours and you feel her stand beside you. She lights a candle with a match and you can see her face in its orange glow. Her face shows no smile, no warmth. She looks at you and says, Resolution! She blows out the candle. The glowing face moves towards you slowly. Its mouth is wide open and its eyes are bulging and full of tears. It looks in pain. Or is it you who are in pain? You're about to be consumed. This is your death. Death is all around you, danger at every turn. You have come inside, led astray by those around you and they mean you harm. The very act of being alive brings you closer to death. You are carrying for the crows. You are easy prey, easy pickings. And who gives a fuck about birds? Who gives a fuck about you? You will not be remembered. Those around you merely tolerate your presence. A mundane life. Nobody's reached out to you in years. This is it, probably for the best. You were a good child, you lived an innocent life, but that isn't enough. This is bigger than you, people die all the time. Someone else is dying right now, right this second, so why not you? It's not that bad, is it? All for the best. This is how you go, in silence, alone. It's probably going to hurt. It will hurt, eaten in the dark, eyes plucked from your head, tongue torn, jaw ripped. You were dying before you came in here. Death was already in you. Your body is ridden with it. You smell of death. You stink. Holes in your lungs, a faulty heart. Your headache is cancer. That cough is the plague. It's terminal. No grave, no mourners, just the birds. 
food for the carrion crow. Be afraid, Lisa says. Look at it carefully. Your heart hurts, but your eyes, they can see. The room is silent again. You can hear the distant rain, the howl of the wind, and Lisa breathing quietly. It's just a pumpkin. The face, a carved face on a pumpkin with a candle within. You used to carve pumpkins. You would watch your mum light the candles. You liked the feeling of the seeds. You would leave them out on the balcony for the birds. You breathe. More glowing faces and candles enter the room. They dance towards you. Children walk two by two, one carrying the candle and the other a stunningly large pumpkin. The pumpkins are brought before you and laid out on the table. The pumpkins are varying shades of orange, yellow and red some even a foot tall. The candlelight gives them a warm glow. You can see faces within them all, smiling, crying, laughing. Lisa takes your hand in hers and squeezes it gently. You squeeze back. How do you judge? Lisa asks. I guess... I guess it's the biggest pumpkin that wins, you say. The crowd lets out a collective sigh of relief. You feel something soft hit you in the head. Looking up, you see that it's raining down on you. It's petals, flower petals. The crowd is throwing rose petals above you and twirling and smiling in ecstasy. What is the prize for the biggest pumpkin? You ask Lisa. There is no prize, Lisa replies. It's just a big pumpkin. It's all just a bit of fun. That's really nice, you say. The dance continues around you in the fort, in the thunderstorm, in the wind. Sometimes, Lisa, I'm so scared that it hurts my heart, you say. I know, Lisa replies, but that's okay. Trust your eyes. It's all just pumpkins. You hear the owl hooting outside the fort. It's hunting. Listening to Alan Rorty's Burden by Simon Cotty and Studio Tortu. Sleep tight. <laughs>